0: We'll Well, good evening, Uh, welcome to Webbs. My name is Kurt Faylis. I am the middle school minister here and and I'll go ahead and confess, some of y'all may have already recognized this, but this is my first time here uh, getting to speak to you guys. And so uh, thank you for for having me. I'm sure y'all took a vote or something and said, hey, we wanna hear from Kurt. And so that's why I'm here. Uh, But we're uh, jumping in and continuing a series on the names of Jesus. Um, And I'm picking up where um, some of my coworkers have already been going. I think Kevin last week, spoke uh, on the door and Jesus uh, being the door. Tonight, we're going to look at Jesus' statement that he is the light of the world. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 8. And and so you can already um, start heading there. Uh, But before I get going too much, um, just as a, a little bit, I said I was the middle school minister. Um, typically a Wednesday night for me is spent. Um, there's Chick-fil-A and pizza and candy happening right now at the student center. There's Gaga ball. Um, I think there's some other games happening and there's a lot of screaming and yelling. And, and so just to make me more comfortable, if y'all wanna scream and yell and have a little more, that's fine with me. I'm not gonna be, it's not gonna intimidate me. Thank you. Um, but I have a lot of fun with our middle schoolers. I've been here on staff about eight years and um, I just love it. I love seeing God move in the lives of 12, 13 and 14 year olds um, and seeing how that transformation in their life can spill over to their classmates or even sometimes to their parents and grandparents. And so um, getting to to be here tonight is a little different audience, like I said, but I am very, very excited to dive in um, and and go with this. So if if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna open us up in prayer and then we'll jump into God's word. Father God, I thank you so much uh, just for the opportunity we have to study your word. God, we acknowledge that um, that that freedom, that opportunity doesn't exist every place. And so God, I thank you for nights like Wednesday nights where we can gather, we can look at your word and God, that your word is not just a history book, that your word is not just um, a place with, with facts and information, God, but it is alive and active and powerful to pierce um, our hearts and minds. So God, I pray for that over the, the next few minutes as we unpack uh, John chapter eight and this idea of Jesus being the light of the world. God, I pray you speak truth to us and you remind us of who you are and what you've created us to be. We ask all these things in Jesus name. Amen. So I said, John chapter eight, and we will be, um, Jesus, um, and I forgive. I have just, that is the best my handwriting is going to be. Uh, Jesus is the lights of the world. Um, I know, I know. It's amazing I passed grade school. Uh, Jesus being the light of the world. And I, uh, we're going to be in John 8, but I want to set a context for us first in John chapter 7. In, in John 7, we see that Jesus and his disciples, along with a whole bunch of other Israelites, have gathered um, in Jerusalem for um, what's called the, the Festival of Booths or the Festival of Tabernacles, and in this festival, what's going on is the people of Israel are spending seven days and they're leaving their homes and they're going and they're living, essentially, in tents or, or booths. Um, they've set up with, with different tree branches and stuff to create um, a memory of what it was like to live in the wilderness way back in the Old Testament. Right? This, this festival um, w- w- was commissioned by God out of Leviticus uh, 23 uh, or 24. And, and what God is saying is, hey, Israelites, hey, my people, I want you to remember what happened way back when. I want you to remember what it was like to be in the wilderness. I want you to remember what it was like that I provided for you um, in everywhere that I was protecting you on your way out of Egypt and into the promised land. And so Jesus and his disciples have gone. And in John seven, we see some stories of Jesus interacting with people through this festival that's happening. And the context is key because one of the things, and I'll confess, I did not know this until today. A, a man smarter than me shared this truth with me and, and I dug into it, that as part of the festival, the uh, something that was added in um, by the rabbis was that, hey, we're going to have candles lit in the temple and we're going to have those and they're going to be 75 feet tall and they're going to light up the area around the temple and so that people can see at night. But what it would be is a reference to how in the Old Testament um, and during this time in the wilderness, God, it was the pillar of fire that was leading his people. And I heard that and I was like, wow, that is a powerful statement, because when we're looking at John 8 and what do we already have on the screen, that Jesus being the light of the world, there's some symbolism there. There's some importance there. It's not by accident that Jesus is here at the timing of this festival and getting ready to share this scripture out of John 8. Um, and so I just want to lay that context for you. I thought it was pretty cool. I hope if you didn't know that, that you think it was pretty cool. Um, 75 foot candles are also really, really tall. Um that, that, that is a tall candle. I don't want that at my house, uh, but some obviously they did. So John chapter eight, we're going to pick up reading in verses 12 through 19. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Verse 14, even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards, I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it it is not I alone who judge, but I and the father who sent me. Verse 17, even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself and the father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You know, neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. You know, I shared that about the, the festival of booths and the, the impact of those candles. See what happens at the end of the seven days is those candles are extinguished. And on day eight, the, the people gather and it's a time of re- remembrance. It's kind of more somber that, that, that's being that's happening and they're remembering all that God did. And Jesus is showing up right here on day eight in John chapter eight and saying, Hey, I am the light of the world. Y'all just had some light from these candles. I am the real light that's illuminating. I think that's a powerful, powerful parallel. Uh, Other thing that jumps out here as I'm looking at this passage, um, is Jesus quickly is drawing a comparison. Um, and and so I'm going to write here, John eight and we were in 12 through 19. Um, Jesus is drawing a parallel here and it starts in verse 13 of trying to almost like a legal defense he's bringing, right? He's bringing this defense. Let me go back and reread um, John 8, 13 for you. So the Pharisees said to him, you're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus goes on in the next few verses and says, hey, my testimony is valid. And he presents this argument and it goes back to Jewish law that says, hey, if you're going to defend yourself, you can't just defend yourself on your own. You need another witness to come alongside you. And what Jesus does is he says, hey, I have another witness who can testify about who I am and it's my father, right? He draws this connection with God. But not only that, this connection um, that, that he has, he's also saying, hey, me and God, we, we, are the, we are linked together. And the symbolism with the light is so key in that. Right, we, we've already referenced with um, the, the festival of Boos that's happening in John 7 with the candles that hey, there's a light presence and that's to s- symbolize the pillar of fire that existed. But if we were to go back through the Old Testament, we would see story after story, reference after reference of God and light being connected, right? Obviously the pillar of fire, God in the burning bush with Moses, which if we just wanted to have a side conversation about how wild that story is. I just love that out of Exodus, right? You've got God showing up to Moses in this bush that's not burning up or consumed by the fire, but the fire is there. Um, I never wanna come across that, but I kind of do. You know, it's a little bit of both. But um, other references here, I just wanna share with you very quickly. Psalm 27.1. And if you're taking notes, you can go back and and pull some of these up. But Psalm 27.1, this is David writing and he leads off this uh, this psalm and says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? You know, we go forward and we go look at um, Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60 and specifically in verse 19 and Isaiah in this whole chapter is giving a lot of vivid imagery of of God and who he is and specifically around light. But in verse 19, he says this, the sun will no longer be your light by day and the brightness of the moon will not shine on you. The Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your splendor. And when I was looking up some some more information, some porting text about um, hey, this with the festival and these large candles, this verse in particular was brought out that this was referenced as hey, no, God is our everlasting light. Ezekiel um says this in uh chapter one, verses twenty-six through twenty-eight. And you got to love Ezekiel. He's going to speak and write in ways that, that seem very um, descriptive, but also kind of like a science fiction novel. Um, Something like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli was above the expanse over their heads. I'm not entirely sure what that is. On the throne high above was someone who looked like a human. From what seemed to be his waist up, I saw a gleam like amber with what looked like fire enclosing it all around from what seemed to be his waist down, I also saw what looked like fire. There was a brilliant light all around him. The appearance of the brilliant light all around was like that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. This was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory. When I saw it, I fell face down and heard a voice speaking. One more, I'm just going to pull out for you guys out of Habakkuk. And um, I'm just going to write H-A-B for that one. Uh, three verses three through four. God comes um, from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covers the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. His brilliance is like light, rays flash from his hand. This is where his power is hidden. You see, and this is just a small sample, but we could continue on um, way past our 6.30 time and talk Old Testament references to God being light. And Jesus is wanting to make this connection to these people that he's speaking to that, hey, I'm declaring that I am the light of the world, just like in all of the Old Testament writings that you know and you treasure, you see God written as light. I am that light. And so that's a powerful, powerful takeaway from us for us. But additionally, when we think about in scripture and we think about light, that light exists to to maybe point out a truth or correct something. And if we were just to take a moment, I don't know how many people we have in here who served in children's ministry. Anybody ever do kids ministry in here? Handful? Okay, so kids ministry, like this may not be as, you may not know this verse, Uh, but there's a verse that talks about, right, that there is a light to help us on our path, like something with our feet. Does that sound? Maybe somewhere in the ballpark, maybe Psalm 119. uh, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And and obviously light provides that for us. And I'm sure we all could come up with stories of how light has shown us the way. Um, When I was a kid, I would get to spend my summers uh, with my grandparents, not the entire summer, but there'd be a week where I'd go stay with one set of grandparents, a week where I'd stay with another. And uh, my dad's parents, Papa and Grandma Phyllis, they would take, um, there were two summers I got to do this. Um, and I was so happy, they got to do it with my older siblings too, but they would take us on a road trip around Texas and we would go to some caves and taverns. We went out to West Texas and saw the McDonald's Observatory and Fort Davis and all those kind of things. But one of the things that stood out to me was the first time we did this trip, we went to a cave. And I I bet every cave does this, but it was my first experience in there. And you go down deep underground, right? And you sometimes ride an elevator, sometimes it's just these long stairs. And I think I was maybe maybe eight or nine when we did this trip. And so those stairs probably seemed way bigger than they were. But we went deep enough where obviously all you saw was the cave and the man-made electrical lights that they'd wired through it. And there was a point where they got to this one spot, maybe in the middle of the cave, and all of a sudden they turn everything off. And they warned us, right? There wasn't just an all-sudden off, and everyone was panicking and screaming, but there was this moment where they said, hey, we're gonna just show you how dark is dark. And I remember as a kid that, that kind of fear that grips you and then kind of excitement, and I kept putting my hand up to my face, like, can I see it? Can I see it? And um, I'm sure my grandparents at the time were just laughing at me because I was repeatedly saying, I can't see my hand, I can't see my hand, but it was that dark. And, and, and I share that with you because when, when Jesus is saying he is the light of the world, his arrival, his entrance, his, his declaration of this statement, is the same power that happened in that cave when the moment they turned the lights back on. It illuminated everything. All of a sudden I could see a clear path. All of a sudden I could see our route back out through the cave and the stalagmites and stalagmites and all those kind of things. And there's a powerful image there for us that without Christ, we would still be in that darkness. We would still have no understanding of our way and direction, but through Christ we do through Christ's presence as the light of the world, we can see where we should go. Light shows us that right direction. And John 8 um, hints at that when Jesus says, anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. Anyone who follows me. Um, you know, another thought about walking in darkness that has a very personal hold on me is when I stub my toe, right? You know, you have to get up in the middle of the night and you're stumbling through because you don't keep nightlights as an adult, or I don't keep nightlights as an adult. Um, but my wife and I, we have a two-year-old and those first few months um, he was in our room, but we made the transition to get him into his crib. But inevitably young Cameron would choose to wake up at midnight, 2am, 4am, 6am, and then we're up for the day. And so on those times, it was like a tag, like who's going to go check on Cam, who's going to do it, me or my wife. And Inevitably, whenever I got the opportunity to go, the opportunity I say, because it was a great opportunity to get up in the middle of the night, um, I would always stub my toe in the darkness. Even though I know my house, it was still dark. And so I'm traversing our house, our master bedroom's on one side and Cam's room's on the other. And there's a kitchen, a dining room, a living room, and some steps along the way before you get to Cameron's room. And I hit every every opportunity. My toe, I think, is permanently just kind of scrunched up because I kept hitting it over and over. But the funny thing is I never hit my toe in the daylight. I never hit it when I can see where I'm walking. But in the middle of the night and all that darkness, I couldn't tell. In a similar way for us, Jesus is providing the light for us to be able to see um, our route, to see where we're headed. Um, and, and I think that's valuable. I think that's so valuable for us um, to remember. One other thing that happens here, um, again, is that Jesus is saying, hey, the light is a way of instruction as well. And I wanna point out something that Jesus says in John 12, um, verses 35 through 36. Jesus answered, the light will be with you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness doesn't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you might become children of light. Jesus said this, then went away and hid from them. Again, that was in John 12 uh, 35 through 36. Jesus is making a point, and, and again, this isn't directly in John eight, but it connects back to it. That while we have an understanding of who is the light, who is that source of information, who is that source of hope for us, we need to chase after it. We need to go after it. And I'm sure in a Wednesday evening Bible study like this, if we were to go around this room, we all have already come to that knowledge of who Jesus is. But just in case you haven't, um, Jesus is God's son. He lived a perfect life, came down um, as God in in human form 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, but then paid the penalty for all of our sins and mistakes and died on a cross. He was buried and he was raised to life three days later and he lives in heaven today. And he's coming back for us. And that's the great news about who Jesus is. He didn't just come and live a great life and give us some great teachings. He lived a great life, perfect life, and paid a penalty for us so that we might know who he is and have eternal life with him. And this idea of the light, um, if you don't have it, you're stuck in darkness, you're stuck without it. Um, you know, God in his infinite wisdom and in his infinite love for us said, hey, I'm going to make my son available to this world. This world who's full of darkness, this world who is broken because of sin, there's going to be a means for us to be reunited, to be restored. And so he has sent his son for us. And that light is what provided an opportunity for us to know God. Without it, what we see in Romans written, we were we were hopeless, right? We were dead in our transgressions, but God said, hey, I am gonna find a way for you. And that decision has to be made by every one of us. There's nobody who gets a free pass. There's no one who says, hey, you know, because my wife is a Christian, because my wife walks with Jesus, because my kid did, or because my parents did. It comes down to every individual choice. And I think as a Christian, one of our biggest burdens is to go share that, right? Because we, you know, I want my son, who I've mentioned, Cameron, I want him one day to know Jesus. That, that is my heart's desire is, hey, I want Cameron to know Jesus. But someone's got to tell him. Someone's got to share that with him. And one day I will, um, when we get past Mickey Mouse and some of the other things we're talking about right now, um, I will tell him that and others will tell him that. But in your life, who can you tell? You know, Pastor Michael shares about that, I, I think, every Sunday. Who can you go tell? Who can you share um, about what Jesus means to you? And that's what Jesus is making here. This clear stand in John 8. In summary is, uh, I want to go back to verse 19. They, when he's talking about his father prior, he says, where, they ask him, where is your father? He says, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Um, he's trying to make this connection for these people who are claiming to be religious, who are claiming to be followers of, of the one true God. And he's saying, hey, I'm that way to know who God is. So in summary tonight, I want to make a couple points for you guys. I'm going to draw some lines here so we can break this up. What does light do? Um, And some of these, and I acknowledge, um, hopefully are somewhat obvious for us. So what does light do? Well, it removes darkness. It removes darkness. Um, And like I said, it it brings stuff to light. But um, when we really stop and think about that in our lives even as Christians, it can be easy for darkness to start seeping in. Even in, in the climate of our culture today, right? You open up your, your Facebook account, your social media feed, you turn on the local news, whatever it may be, you're going to see some, some darkness around us, right? That's, that's the world we live in right? Whether it be from the the horrible things that are happening in the Ukraine and in Eastern Europe, whether it's frustrations over our political system and, and the struggle of the economy right now. Maybe it has to do um, even with some of the local legislation and what's going on um, with when do we teach kids about um, LGBTQ and transgender and all the debate that's happening. It can be so toxic and darkness exists. So even as Christians, darkness is still around us. Even though we know the light, we know Jesus We can still find ourselves wrapped up in darkness. And if we let ourselves get removed from adding Jesus into these situations, if we let ourselves take a human perspective on the things in Ukraine or the things in our political system or the other trials that go on, all of a sudden that darkness can surround us. And if we don't add Jesus back into these situations, when we don't say, hey, God, I I am frustrated by what's happening with, with our economy right now. God, I am beat down by it. But I know you're in control. And, and God, help me be a light to those who are frustrated. You know, we start adding Jesus in. That light that is Jesus, that'll push that darkness away. Something else that that light's going to do, it's going to direct our steps. It's going to direct our steps. And the same application about adding Jesus into things. I, I don't know where you're at. You may be struggling with some big life decisions. Hey, is it time to move? Hey, is it time to change careers? Hey, is it time maybe to to shift? And here here at church, you know, we've been sitting in maybe a connect group but maybe God's calling us to go be a part of a new connect group, start something new or go maybe on the mission field or something like that. Plugging into the light is going to be your best advice. Not necessarily going and asking every other person who, what do you think? What do you think? Not that discounting the, the godly counsel and wise counsel of friends and and those who walk with the Lord, but do you take those questions about what you should do next to God or do you make your own decisions and try to add him in later? I think it's so important that we remember to make God a part of everything, every one of those decisions. And then the third thing that light's going to do is it's going to expose what's hidden, expose what's hidden. And I reference, this kind of connects to the removal of darkness, but I think a trap for Christians who are really comfortable in the church is to let one sin just slide and sit. Just let it stay. Just let it stay. And that one sin, it could be a lot of things. It could be an addiction of some capacity. It could be gossip. It could be a pride issue. But The more you get closer to Jesus, the harder it is to hide those sins, to hide those choices. And and so when I encourage you to say, Jesus being the light of the world, let's draw in, let's lean into Jesus. That means, hey, I'm in my Bible every day. I'm reading God's word. Hey, I'm spending time in prayer. Hey, I am connecting the dots to say, Jesus, you're not just on Sundays. You're not just on Wednesdays, but Jesus, you encompass every aspect of my life. Every day of the week. When you do that, it becomes a lot harder to, to hide those things. And Jesus is the light of the world, wants to come in and expose those things, not just to point out and be the God that says, hey, you messed up, hey, you know, and scold you for it. He wants to expose the badness, expose the darkness in you so that you're made right, so that your life is blessed for his purposes. It's powerful, it's powerful. Jesus claiming that he's the light of the world creates a link to God for him, but it also shows us where we should go and shows us to... Um, we need to expose the own darkness and sin in our life and get right with him. I know I'm probably wrapping a couple minutes early, um, but I hope you're blessed here tonight. Let me pray for us and we'll be, it will be dismissed. Father God, I um, I thank you for this reminder out of John 8 and a reminder um, of the power that Jesus being the light of the world. And God, I pray um, in this room, you know, the, the 100, 150 people that are here, God, tonight, I pray uh, for each of us, God, that you would expose any pockets of darkness, any pockets of sin that are in us. God, that, that you would pierce us with the truth of your word tonight, God, and we would get right with you. And God, that uh, as we talk about light and darkness, God, that you would help us go and be the light to a dark world. God, give us boldness to share the truth of who you are to the people we come across and give us courage to stand up for what's right um, when so much around us seems to be going wrong. God, I pray you protect everyone as they travel home later tonight. Help us to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, it was awesome to be here tonight with y'all. A lot of y'all probably know me from the podcast um, that Pastor Michael and I do. Um, We just released a new episode. I hope you can jump in and, and like it. If you have questions about how to connect with that, I'd be happy to answer those. I'll be here for a couple minutes. And then I apologize. I would love to get up and walk around to you, but I'm not really walking um, right now. I have a leg injury. And so that's why I've kind of been parked up here. But I would love to meet you, if not tonight, sometime soon. Y'all have a great, great Wednesday night. Take care.